Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. We are excited to be able to come into your homes on this Pentecost Sunday 2020. There are some great celebration days when it comes to the Christian faith. Um, Christmas, for instance, when we celebrate Jesus' birth is coming to planet Earth. Easter, where we focus on Good Friday on Jesus' death, and Easter Sunday, his glorious resurrection. But Pentecost, probably the least celebrated day, and yet it enables us by faith um, to know the birth, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ that are for us. Salvation is a work of the Spirit. We know that. And when Jesus finished the work of redemption, he rose from the dead, he ascended to be glorified, and then he sent one to do the work of sanctification, the greatest gift of all, the gift of his own spirit to live in us. Years of faulty teaching and misconceptions have allowed the enemy to ride in and confuse us about this wonderful person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God. This is what Jesus meant in John 14, 7, when he said, but truly I tell you this, Uh, It's for your good that I go away. I'm sure the disciples were wondering what he meant. How could it be good that he would go away? And then he said this, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And I love that word, the advocate. This means a defense lawyer, someone on your side who is much smarter than you, What possibly could be better than Jesus here in flesh? Of course, it was Jesus through the Holy Spirit here in all flesh. I had an old mentor who used to say to me this, that salvation is an act. There's a time and a place where you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Sanctification is a process. It uh, will go right through to the Lord comes back or you die and go home. Um, And then he used to say to me, but the filling of the Holy Spirit is both. It's both an act and it's a process. Be ye constantly filled is actually the proper theology. It's an ongoing work of constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is with excitement of this reality that we focus today on Pentecost in Acts 2. So what I'd love you to do, I'd love you to listen to a little bit of the story read to us by Laura and Debbie. So let's watch and then we'll jump back in. Acts 2, 1-13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, 
aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declare the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, who wouldn't want to be part of a movement like that? Thank you to Laura and Debbie for reading for us today. Today we have the incredible and beautiful story of the Holy Spirit arriving on planet Earth. He comes as our teacher. He comes as our comforter. He comes as our life companion to equip us and teach us about Jesus and about the Father. The Greek word is the word parakletos, it pictures a rescue vessel as where um, we would get our word for um, something that draws alongside um, in an emergency. And I love this. He came 2,000 years ago, and he is as fresh and available for us today. We know in the Old Testament that, that the Holy Spirit came on particular people for a season or a work to be done, and then he withdrew However, it is important for us to know that when he came, he came to stay. He is here with us today. And uh, it's important to realize as well that before we can be filled, we need to recognize our emptiness. And by gathering together for prayer and according to what these people had been instructed in our story today, these followers of Jesus were in obedience. They hadn't a clue what was coming or what to expect, but they knew that they couldn't do it by themselves. Remember, before Jesus went out to fast and pray and be tempted of the devil, after his baptism, we're told that the Spirit came, the Spirit of God came, this Holy Spirit of God came and rested visibly on Jesus. And if Jesus needed this to face the battles of life, how much more do we need it? So we can take a, a leaf out of the book of these disciples in today's story, um, they obeyed Jesus' teaching and they were together. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at five little points um, about Pentecost, about receiving God's power in Pentecost. So we just broke them into five little bits. Um, I'm sorry, it's the brethren boy in me. They all start with P, so that'll make them easier to remember. First, I want to look at the promise 
of Pentecost, the promise of Pentecost. It's quite straightforward, really. Jesus gave it in his last words to his disciples when he declared, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of earth. That's Acts 1, verse 8. That's the obvious promise. But there were earlier promises Um, of the Spirit of God coming in Pentecostal power. Hundreds of years before this, the prophet Joel prophesied in his little book in Joel 2, verses 28 to 32. He said, and afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit. In those days, I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the Apostle Peter actually quoted this um, in a section between our two readings. We didn't read the whole chapter today, but the Apostle Peter actually coded this in, in Acts 2.16. And um, so what he's actually saying, he's saying that the, the thing about this is that, that for you and I who have repented of our sin and put our trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation are promised God's Pentecostal power, this same power. This is not a divine energy that's restricted to some movements or denominations or that go by the label of charismatic or Pentecostal. How sad it is if we relegate to others that divine energy that God wills for all, um, every one of us. So we've got the promise of Pentecost. Second one, we've got the people at Pentecost. Let's look at these people. The biblical record tells us the posture of a people who are ready to receive God's power. That's really important for us today, especially as we go into the second part of our, our service today. Acts 1.14 says this, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Actually tells us that the Mary, the mother of Jesus, along with his brothers, were there in that passage. Acts 2.1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. There is no substitute um, there, there is no substitute for Christian community. I hear some people say, oh, will church ever be the same again? And it probably won't after coronavirus and COVID-19. But, and I hear some people saying, oh, loads of people maybe won't come back to church. And I, I just don't get that. I don't think that will happen because there's something about coming together. There's a power of Christian community, people being together in one place. You can't go it alone in the Christian life. You need your brothers and your sisters and so many people who claim spirituality that that go on a lone ranger basis. I just don't get it, and I don't think it works. And I don't think biblically it works either. So um, so they're together in one place. Secondly, they're in a spirit of prayer. We need time alone in prayer. We need time together in prayer. We've been meeting every other week in our Zoom calls together, 80, 90 people, our homes together to pray. We need to be open um, in our hearts to God, allowing God to capture our attention. We need to take seriously what the Scriptures have to say. This was the posture of these people. I'm fascinated that during these days between the ascension of Jesus and Pentecost that a group of 120 close followers of Jesus heard the Scriptures talk 
taught. If you, if you look at Acts 1, 15, you'll say, in those days Peter stood up among the brothers, a company of persons of about 120, and he preached to them from the Old Testament teachings. It's a posture of people being receptive to God's teachings. And then the fourth little thing, they were waiting expectantly for God to act. There's something about gathering with brothers and sisters in a, of Christ in a spirit of prayer with a Bible that is open and a heart that is waiting and receptive um, for God to guide. We began our thousand hours for a thousand lives prayer on Sunday the 29th of March and running through to the end of the day, that'll be 63 days, it'll be around 1,512 hours all right? Um, so there's something about expecting God to move today. There's an expectancy that God will move in your homes today, and that's our purpose, and that's our heart. So we've got the promise of Pentecost. We've got the people at Pentecost. We've got the purpose of Pentecost. There were three great Jewish festivals to which every male Jew who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem were legally bound to come. There were Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the, the name Pentecost means 50th. Um, and the other name for Pentecost was the Feast of Weeks. It was so-called because it fell on the 50th day. So after a week of weeks, which was seven weeks, having seven days, um, after Passover, you had this um, Pentecost. Passover fell in the middle of April. Therefore, um, Pentecost fell about the beginning of June, and by that time, the traveling conditions were at their best. The rainy seasons were over, and some scholars say that there may very may have well have been more people in Jerusalem at Pentecost than there were at Passover. No work was to be done on that day. It was a festive holiday. The streets were filled with people, and Luke paints the picture for us in her reading from Laura and Debbie today, this little bit at the start, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them. <coughs> and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I love this because like, like this is Dr. Luke. He's an educated man. And this is his language. He's saying it's a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. He's saying it's tongues that, that seem to be like fire. It's the only way he can describe this. He goes on to describe how they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation who heard the sound and came and gathered in bewilderment, each hearing the disciples speak in their own language, all the dialects, all different people hearing in their own tongue. Some were deeply perplexed, wanting to know, what does this mean? Others made fun to learn too much wine, they're drunk. The Hebrew word for spirit and wind is the word ruach. I love this word. When I lived in Littleburn Hall, I, our home used to be called ruach, the holy wind of God. The wind had been an emblem of the Spirit for the Hebrew people throughout generations. The wind of God was present at the creation, moving upon the face of the deep. This was the, the wind of the Spirit of which Ezekiel spoke of in the Valley of Dry Bones when he uh, was talking about a dejected, defeated people that would be brought back 
to life. Jesus used the image of the wind of the Spirit when he, when he was describing to Nicodemus what it meant to be born again by the Spirit of God in John 3. And here it is in the upper room. This wind was blowing, rushing about like an irresistible force. And perhaps Nicodemus was among, I'm sure he was, among those who heard and saw this undeniable evidence of something happening that was visible. They could hear it. It was powerful. There was a new thought. There was new energy. There was new vitality. There was new creativity. There was new emotion coming to life in this moment of this infilling of the Holy Spirit as it hits planet Earth. God was bringing life to his people individually and corporately. He was birthing his church. Not only was wind part of the picture, the text saw, the, saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that came and separated. You can just imagine this whole scene. And when we were open to the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing the wind to propel us, allowing the fire to purify us, and his endowment of communication capabilities to help us convey the gospel of his truth and our experience of our relationship with him to others. Because that's what happened here. Peter, an uneducated fisherman, preaches and the power of proclamation comes upon him because he's just been filled with the Holy Spirit and he preaches and 3,000 people bow their knee and give their life to Jesus and actually get baptized at the same time. You see the danger, my friends, of organized Christianity today is that it can just become powerless and there is nothing more boring than empty theological words. Paul, when he writes his second letter to Corinth in 3.6, he reminds us the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. There is something about this Spirit. There's nothing more life-sapping than dry institutional religion that simply just becomes a head trip or a business. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it to the full. He wasn't talking about dull, boring stuff. He was talking about life abundant and full and rich. We've got the promise of Pentecost. We've got the people of Pentecost. We've got the purpose of Pentecost. Let's take a minute or two and look at the power of Pentecost. Let's never shift our focus from the power of the Holy Spirit in present-day church. Revelation, you see, was never given to make us smart. It was always given to give us more power. You ask, does a person not receive the Holy Spirit when they receive Christ as Savior and Lord? Of course they do. But there is a lifetime and probably an eternity of exploring um, that, that probably those two, time and eternity, will not reveal all the facets of the Trinity. I uh, was staying at my sister-in-law's house in Exmouth, Arlene, who's Lorraine's sister, and she had a, a gas boiler for heating the water. And there was a, I noticed there was a little pilot light just thinner than my finger um, was, was, was lit all the time. This little pilot light just stayed lit all the time. And I could see it day and night, this little, this little light would go. And one of the times I was walking past the boiler, somebody turned the hot water tap on in the bathroom. And I don't know why you've ever had that experience, but as soon as that hot water tap went into action, this pilot light lit a flame that just went boom. And the, the power of that boiler um, exploded into action, giving hot water. 
And when the Spirit ignites in us, when there's something ignites in us, there's no telling what can happen. My old mentor around the things of the Holy Spirit used to, used to in his uh, Scottish accent, used to say to me, he used to pour a glass and he filled it to the top with water and he would say to me, Phil, is, a, is, is, is the glass full? And I would say, yes, Jimmy, the glass is full. And then he would take the glass and he would set it into the basin full of water and then he would say to me, now, is, is the water in the glass or is the glass in the water? That's the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and there's nothing, there's, there, there's, the worlds are oyster when we understand that through Christ we can do all things. You know, um, Jesus meets a woman in John chapter 4. And uh, I'll read the verse to you, and then I'll tell you the context. He said to her, do not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are already white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. And that verse naturally doesn't even make any sense. And in context, Jesus had just led a woman of faith who has been married five times and she's in an adulterous relationship with someone else. And um, she had left him, left Jesus, and she had evangelized her whole time. Firstly, he talked to her about worship, and then he released her to evangelize. Beautiful, isn't it? Interesting that worshipers make the best hurlers. And we think in terms of natural principles that reflect spiritual realities. Jesus is bringing a revelation in this verse that I've said to you previously there that it doesn't even make sense. He's bringing a revelation that is almost frightening. He says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Could it be that Jesus wants us to work in spiritual principles that actually defy natural realities? A revelation that defies nature. And the more we become empowered by a spirit, we will overcome natural principles. I believe that. Natural says plow, plant, water, weed, harvest, spiritual. The reaper passes the sower. How does that happen? How does a, a maniac in, in gathering, his demons were possessed with demons. His issues had issues. He howls at night. He wears no clothes, runs about naked, cuts himself with stone. Jesus delivers him in a moment. Jesus defies everything that was natural and everything that would overcome this guy. And the people are weirded out because the guy's delivered. They're okay with him running about, howling through the graveyard at night, but they're not okay with him. They're afraid when they see something that has defied these evil works. What do you see? These are my questions. Where are your eyes? What is the measure of your anointing? These are the things that break the yoke of the enemy. And if you don't have an appetite for the supernatural, it is a deformity, which has either come through disappointment or just bad teaching. So we've got the promise of Pentecost. We've got the people of Pentecost. We've got the purpose of Pentecost. We've got the power of Pentecost. Let's finish with the practice of Pentecost. Some things about this early church that were amazing. Number one, it was a learning church. It was a learning church. 3,120 people um, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. A spirit-filled church is a biblical church committed to the Word of God. Secondly, it was a caring church. 
They were involved in the practice of fellowship. Oh, how we miss it at the moment. They came together in intimate groupings, in life groups, uh, in people's homes. They saw everything they had was God's and given them to use. It was a caring church. Thirdly, it was a worshiping church. It was a worshiping church. These early believers met together regularly to break bread and pray together. Their, their worship was formal in the temple. Their worship was informal, meeting in individuals' homes. Their worship was both joyful and dignified. It was a celebration and it was reverent. And then fourthly, it was an evangelizing church. The teaching that nourished the believers was balanced by a continuing emphasis um, that called others to repentance and faith. And I love this, Acts 2, 47. The Lord added to them daily those who were being saved. Every single day. What about that? Evangelism is central to our work. You and I are called to share our faith individually and corporately. And so this morning as we conclude this, there is something so powerful as we uh, have fasted and prayed for the last, what, um, 63 days um, to, to see a move of God in Pentecost, to see something happen in your home today, that you in your home become the conductor of the power and anointing of the Spirit over your kids in your home and whether far or near. Um, so this morning, what we're going to do, we just love to release the Spirit of God to do His amazing work. Now I'm going to pray, and I'm purposely not going to say too much after that because I'd love you to stay tuned with us for a time of response and encounter and releasing some prophetic words. And during that time, Al will pray a, a prayer of impartation on behalf of our leadership, and we're trusting that the Spirit will come again on our lives, our families, and homes. So across Lurgan and Portadown, Karen, Shalom today. That's why we just did one service today. We don't want just to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers also. And we believe that there's an opportunity for all of us to receive a fresh touch of the Spirit today. So stay tuned. Dossie will be leading us in worship. And Al will come and guide you through the next 45 minutes or so. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the story in the Acts of the Apostles that reminds us of the suddenly, that day when the Holy Spirit arrived to stay. Thank you for that. And thank you that we have access to this. Thank you that the Spirit can come and live and move and have its being in us. And so, God, we become receivers of that promise today and say, would you come and would you fill us afresh as we reach out to you over this next short time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.